1: Hello and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode to Thursday's NBA Tread Deadline for the Pistons. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor to Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And usually, when I get a chance to watch our Pistons live, like tonight, I'll do a short episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. But, since today was the final day for NBA trades, I'll keep the focus what we saw from Troy Weaver and Detroit. Before I introduce a very special guest I have to record this episode with me, I do want to let you know we will be making an announcement about the future of the Motor City Hoops podcast on Wednesday morning. An episode where I'll be joined by Keith Smith wrapping up all the moves from around the association. We are very excited about this announcement and we think you will be too, but let's get to our guest. Good friend, host of the flagship podcast at Detroit bad boys that you should check out every Monday. Amazing Pistons content creator and father Lazarus Jackson
0: last. Thank you for joining me, man. No, thank you for having me, Bryce. I, I truly appreciate it. I, uh, I'm very curious to hear what that announcement on Wednesday is going to be. I'm going to be tuned in for that.
1: Awesome, man. I appreciate it. We're, we're very excited. I think I hope the fans are excited. It's been in the works for a minute, and I'm just excited that we finally get to let people know what's going on. But let's get to something for you. How was Chance's first Pistons trade deadline? We saw the tweet with the picture, him there behind the computer. How did that go today?
0: So his first trade trade deadline went really well. Actually, we went to the uh, we went to the hospital today to get some vaccines for Chance. He had a doctor's appointment. So uh, I don't know if you saw. I had a later tweet. Uh, we have like this like chair thing. He he sits in when it's just like I don't. Uh, want him to like crawl around as much. We just put him in the chair and he fell asleep in it. So that <laughs> that was his trade deadline. He fell asleep right after the, uh, the Harden Simmons trade. He got a little too excited and had to, uh, had to take a nap, but uh, he enjoyed his first trade deadline for sure.
1: Nice. Hey, he stayed he stayed awake for for the biggest deal of the day. So that's a that's a good good young man right there. I'm glad he's doing well. Hopefully the shots um, don't have him too fussy or upset. But
0: no, yeah, he's he's usually pretty good about that stuff.
1: Good, good. Let, let's get to the Pistons deal. Let's let's dive right into it. Or let me ask you, what do you want to go with the deal that was made or the deal that wasn't made? Where, where do you want to go first? Where, let's let's
0: sh- go with Let's go with the deal that was made
1: first. Okay. Let's do, so real quick, just in case you guys didn't see, Sacramento gets DiVincenzo, Shinzo, Lyles. Josh Jackson. Milwaukee gets Serge Ibaka, two second round picks. I believe those were from the Pistons. The Clippers get Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale. And then of course, what's most interesting to fans, the Pistons bring in Marvin Bagley Third. General here, Laz, what were your thoughts whenever you saw this trade go down? jumpy jump jumpy jump
0: (laughs) finally no I, i i think this is uh this is definitely like an addition that the pistons have been missing in terms of like athleticism in the front court um i know like bagley has the expectations of being uh like a former like high draft pick but like as we've just seen from like the josh jackson experience like maybe it's just better to like take him for what he is as opposed to like what he was drafted to be and I think this is a good situation for him to step into um, because they put Lyles in the deal. Like I, I thought that they would get Bagley um, just because there have been a lot of signs like pointing to it. There have been a lot of reports from a lot of people about the Pistons interest in Bagley. But like I was, I was trying to construct it and it's like, if you didn't put Lyles or another big in the deal it, you'd, end up with like weird front court situations uh or situation where you have to play like olenic lyles and bagley all at the same time off the bench and like that doesn't sound ideal and so i'm, I'm glad that at least they got that sorted right that uh there's not going to be any uh like mix up of uh, front court positions and i think bagley and olenic should play pretty well together right like Alenic can be the spacer on offense and more of the five on defense. And uh, Bagley can be more of like the the rim pressurer and the, and the center on offense and uh, kind of like a weak side guy who's not necessarily always in the play on defense. And I think that plays to, to both of their strengths and will will work really well. And uh, I, got, I Killian Hayes is probably the happiest person on the Pistons right now that uh, Marvin Bagley is, is going to be there. He finally has somebody that uh, he can throw lobs to, somebody he can operate out of the pick and roll with. Uh so yeah that was, that was basically what I was thinking about uh, as the Pistons uh, added Marvin Bagley III. So I want to get back to the defensive thing in just a second but yeah I, I do
1: I, I think it's another really nice move right by Troy Weaver. You sign Trey Lyles in the offseason, everybody like just overlooks it myself included. I don't know what you thought about it. Never thought he would play the minutes he has. And, and as much as we kind of like to joke Trey Lyles, he has played well and as a small ball, I should say this, he's put up good numbers. I think I saw the other day, he's like the sixth leading scorer off the bench since, I don't know, it was the middle of December or something like that. Like you take that guy who's not part of the future and you flip him essentially, Josh Jackson also, but an expiring contract. I know two second round picks isn't nothing, but you flip that for a young promising guy who I do think fits a need for this team. And you brought up the thing with Kelly O'Lennox. So let's just stick to offense. I was thinking about that as you were talking. I do think they fit well together. I do think that's nice. I've watched one game, and you tweeted this out as well, Laz. Like, the Kings just stuck him in the corner for that whole game. It was a three-overtime game against the Lakers in November, I think it was. I watched the I watched every minute he played. And I can't tell you, I bet he didn't touch the ball more than 10 times, Laz. He just stood in the corner. And that shouldn't be his role. You can stick Kelly Olynyk in the corner and let Bagley the third run the pick and roll with Killian Hayes or even Kate Cunningham late in games. And so I'm excited to see what he looks like in that role.
0: No, absolutely. And uh and he's only shooting I think like 24% from three. He's shooting in the 20s from three. And so it's not good for him as well to just be like stuck in the corner. Like if if he was if he was good at that, like you would understand why they would do it. But the Kings just like it, the Kings were in a similar position that I was worried about, where they just had a lot of front court dudes, right? They had like Rashawn Holmes, they had Alex Lynn. Chimezi Metu is a guy who I've I've liked a bunch. And he's like also kind of that same uh like six eight, six nine kind of like rim runner guy. He was playing a bunch. Uh like Damian Jones uh was playing a lot for the Kings after some injuries. And so it's just like, yeah, he was always kind of in the front court with another guy who couldn't space the floor. And so like he was asked to be the floor spacer because he's a better three point shooter than like Damian Jones or Alex Lynn. But like, that's still not like what he's best at in Detroit. Hopefully he'll be asked to do what he's better at in attacking the rim. And I think he'll have more success doing it.
1: Yeah. And so I think what you won't see, would you agree with this is I don't think him and Isaiah Stewart are a good fit together for that exact
0: reason. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't, and, like, that points to, right, I don't think he's going to be – like, I think it, there's some question about, like, whether or not he might start. And it's like, no, he's definitely going to come off the bench. Be, because he started for the Kings, it's like, oh, he's going to start for the Pistons. Like, no, he's going to come off the bench. Um, it, You know, part of the reason is because, like, he just does not fit with Isaiah Stewart.
1: And so since you brought that up, the starting thing, I tweeted out, and I know a lot, it's not like I'm the one that found it. I actually had other people clue me in on it. But just so people understand the contract situation with Marvin Bagley III, he has a – qualifying offer in the offseason it's at 14 million right now but if he doesn't start 41 games or play 2,000 minutes which I don't think the minutes thing is even going to be a factor whatsoever I think he started 17 games that qualifying offer goes down to 7 million now whether he would take that or not you know that I don't know but that's kind of where the contract is. I do think Rod Beard, I don't know if you can elaborate on this, Laz. I do think Rod Beard said the cap hold, though, is the same either way, which does make things a little bit trickier. I've also seen a report that the the Pistons and Weaver would have plans to sign him to a longer extension. So I, I think there's still a lot of things that could be worked out with the contract and what that ends up being going into next season.
0: Yeah, I think either way the important thing is like the pistons have enough cap space in this offseason that i'm not really worried about the like the 4 million difference between like uh Bagley's rfa cap hold being 7 million or 11 million um like if the pistons were right at the cap or right at the tax like that that'd be an issue but i don't think it will be um, either way, like they have his rights and they're able to match any offer he might get and restricted free agency. Now, obviously like they just traded, you know, Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles for him. So I don't know. If he's going to get like a, a max contract offer from anybody, but, uh, but like the important thing is he's, he's in your system. Um, and you get to, you get a look at him before restrictive free agency, similar to what they did last year with Hamedu Diallo. Right. And, and much like Hami, you, you don't know like what the end result of that contract negotiation is going to be, uh, like, Tommy ended up getting, I think, less than a lot of people expected this offseason, and it ended up being like a good deal for the Pistons. Um, And so you you never know what's going to happen in restricted free agency. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's what I say. I, I thought Hummy was going to get a much larger contract. I've learned that I overvalue our, our Pistons players m- like many fans. You are not
0: alone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. And, and obviously a lot will have to do with an expanded role or what seems like, I, again, I've only watched one game at the time of this recording. I plan on diving into more as soon as we're done recording, as long as my wife doesn't kill me for being all Pistons all the time here right now. But, um, you know, it, it just wasn't a role that was really conducive to him. So I want to go to the other side of the court, and that's defensively. And all I've seen, the, the only real biases I have going into my breakdown, the only things I really know or have heard about him was how bad he was defensively. He has to get better defensively. He's not any good on that end. Here's all I'll start it off with this, Laz, and then I'll give you a chance. I think he's engaged on the defensive end in the one game that I've seen. It was against the Lakers, mind you. He was getting to play, and it was a triple overtime game. I thought he was engaged. Now, engaged doesn't necessarily mean you're good on the defensive end. Doesn't look like he really protects the rim. I think his off ball awareness is leaves something to be desired, and he's not super agile on the perimeter. Like he's not like Isaiah Stewart. He's a vertical better than Isaiah Stewart, but laterally, like switching out on guys. At least in that one game, I didn't see the things that we usually see from Stewart. So I'm interested to watch more film, but so far I'm not as down on his defense as what I think a lot of people were talking about with him.
0: Yeah, the, I, I've kept an eye on Bagley for a long time and the, the, his problem was always like the combination of inattentiveness and lack of like superior lateral stuff. So it's like he he would get caught napping and be unable to recover a lot, yes, and like that yes. that's that's a really bad combination. I think this year the attentiveness is up. Um, it's like maybe that's just a, a, like a repetition thing. He's played more defense, seen more defense played. Some of that I think is a positional thing. Like Sacramento has. Sacramento's tried a lot of different things with Bagley. They've played him at small forward. They've played him at center. The very different responsibilities defensively. And so he's, maybe he's just fine. As he has a more clearly defined role, he's more comfortable in the knowledge of like what he has to do defensively. Um, and yeah, but at the same time, you're right. He's not like this uh, superior defender. If he ever got to that level, he'd be a really interesting player. But I think it's fair to say at this point he's like not – the huge negative he's been in the past but still not like great still not good I think that's fair and
1: I think all you have to do is get him to neutral now Matt Issa a good friend of the podcast says that bigs usually big guys you want to be a net positive you know because they are on the back end of your decent defense protecting the rim those things but I do think I don't know maybe
0: I'm not trying to get too excited I, I don't yeah I think but I think this is why you like don't play him at center right? Like you don't, you don't make him the focal point. of okay, your Okay. That was the
1: next question. That was the next question. Where do you, what, what do you think his position is?
0: I think he's, I think he's a four. I think he's just like a, a big four. Uh, like I'm, I'm watching the Pelicans right now. And like, I'm biased, I guess. And like the, they've done a similar thing with Jackson Hayes lately, where they started playing him in lineups with Jonas Valanciunas. And just like, because he's more able, because he's not, in the play, he's able to read things a little bit better and like help from weak side and uh, use some of that vertical athleticism, and so it it, it works out better than like uh, I don't know him trying to remember all of his responsibilities as like the guy in drop, and so like I especially on this Pistons team right now, I think he's a four. Now that's kind of a problem. Like later, you're always going to need to put him next to a five who can space, and so like that's a roster construction issue. But like if he's coming off the bench, it, it shouldn't be. Uh, you're not building the the whole roster like with Marvin Bagley in mind either way. So,
1: yeah, and I, in, in that game he was matched up with Carmelo Anthony a lot, who was playing as the four, and I thought he did a fine job. Now Mellow is not super fleet of foot anymore, and so you know he could h- hold up on the perimeter in that situation. Last thing, and then I do want to get to Jeremy Grant not getting traded, but I do think he can get buckets on the offensive end. Like, I'm not saying he's just like unreal. I'm not saying he's going to come in and light the world on fire, but like, I see a super highly skilled offensive player. Do you agree with that? Like, I guess what I was getting to was if he can be neutral defensively, I think he wants to be a good rebounder, like offensive rebounding. Like he goes hard. He's like swim moving and and spinning off guys, like trying to go get offensive rebounds. I I think if he's a neutral defender, this ends up being a really good win because he can go get buckets on the offensive end,
0: yeah that that is the reason why he was drafted as highly as he was. Right, like that that's basically what he did in college was just like get a bunch of points and a bunch of rebounds. And because uh, the team he was on had superior talent, they won most of the time. It's like in the NBA, like you know, he's on the Kings, not not necessarily a superior talent, but he's averaging like fourteen and seven like for his career. Like very clearly, he can still put the ball in the basket. And you are you are right to notice that it's it's a lot of like i've been championing the jumpy jump but uh like you pointed this out is like he does a lot of his uh work in like short roll situations as well right he's got like a nice little like push shot that he breaks out every now and again um the the left-handedness catches people on surprise uh or by surprise um if he gets switched onto a smaller guy he has like a nice jump hook that he can get to from the left side um or with the left hand and so like, yeah he's, he's got a He's got a uh, really nice interior offensive game from like 15 feet and in, right? It's just like when he's stuck in the corner all game, it's kind of a problem.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think that's why I was most impressed with him was he was stuck in the corner all game and then he was still engaged on the boards, on on defense. And it's not easy to do that, right? Like when you're never touching the ball. What I'm really interested to see is in the short roll, does he have any passing ability? But I do you know I realize we're already fifteen sixteen minutes in, and i want to get, I wanted to keep it a little bit short, and we haven't got to Jeremy Grant, so let's get to that um we'll continue to talk about Marvin Bagley with James Edwards the third when we record with an episode dropping Sunday, but let's get to Jeremy Grant. What was your immediate reaction last to him not getting traded uh
0: i wasn't I wasn't shocked um I was a little disappointed, but ultimately, I think that like jeremy grant uh Is still like a really good player, and I think he gets traded. uh, I think he gets traded before the draft after the season. I don't. I don't think Jeremy Grant is going to be on this Pistons team uh, like after after this season. And so I'm not. I'm not pressed. Right. Like I can handle thirty more games of of Jeremy Grant, and he's still a good NBA player. Right. Like he had twenty points tonight, and he looked a lot more comfortable. I think uh, we. seven free throw attempts which is like always the big thing with him Uh, even if he's not like shooting the ball well he generally kind of gets the line pretty well and so it's just like yeah he's he's like i I can hand i can handle watching jeremy for 30 more games sounds like some people can't but i totally can (laughs)
1: Yeah, and that's a, so. I guess a chance to plug. Go check out my article on Jamry Grant that I dropped on Detroit Bad Boys just a few days ago. Probably nobody wanted to read it at the time because they didn't think he was still <laughs> yeah, going to be on the exactly. team. Um, but now it's a little more relevant. So go check it out. I and in that article, I bring it up for this reason. I truly do. I do think he's trying. Not to be such a ball stopper. Not like I know there's still too many isolations that end very, very poorly. I get it. I understand the frustration and I know how those, you know, two or three times a game is really frustrating, but I do think he's been trying to distribute the ball a little bit more. I don't think he's great at that. I don't think he's great at making like high level reads and being an on target passer. But what I am really interested in, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, is actually seeing him play with Cade Cunningham since Cade's really got in a flow you know, found his game, you know, Cade was hurt and then Cade was really struggling. I am kind of interested to see how those guys play together. And Sadiq Bay has found his game, you know, since the last time Jeremy Grant has played, but you brought up this summer. Do you think the Blazers is the team? Because this is really interesting to me. Blazer, the, the Portland trail Blazers was a team that got brought up a lot with him. And I don't think it made sense for them to trade for him today because I feel like they're kind of in tank mode the rest of the season, right? Like Damian Lillard's hurt. They've traded off all these other players. Like I wonder if that's where he ends up going, but in the offseason because they don't want Jeremy Grant to come in and possibly help them win five or six games they wouldn't otherwise.
0: No, I have heard that – I have heard from like other Blazers people that the Blazers are very interested in Jeremy. Um, And I think – the the way I the way I'm thinking about this is like with the other trades the Blazers made uh, before the deadline they picked up an additional first round pick from New Orleans but that pick only conveys if it's between the fifth pick and the fourteenth pick and It's like if if New Orleans uh, if they end up getting that pick like that is another pick that you could put in a Jeremy Grant trade but right now you know New Orleans picks up C J McCollum we don't know like what. We, we don't have a solidified idea of like what their draft status is going to be and so it's harder to make a trade if you don't know like the exact nature of the return if Troy Weaver says like I want two first round picks for Jamie Grant there's a chance that that New Orleans pick like isn't a first round pick and so it's like okay well I'll give I want it's like we can make this trade once we have like more surety about uh the draft capital and compensation so it's like I I do think Portland is still the move though So I I just,
1: big picture question, Lance. Why do you think he didn't get moved? Like, I know we've talked a lot about it and we've kind of probably, you know, answered it to an extent, but do you think Weaver was asking is comfortable keeping him, at least for now, and so was purposely asking for the moon just in case somebody wanted to. Do you think his value... Like, I think a lot of fans' response to him not getting traded. So this is the heart of the question is, Jeremy Grant isn't as valued as what we all thought he was. Do you think think it was that? Or do you think that Weaver was like, I'm going to try to get the moon right now, knowing that maybe in the offseason I can still get what I want and it's not that big of a deal?
0: I don't think... It's like without knowing the offers, I can't say like Troy Weaver was asking for too much. I can say like looking at what other guys were traded for, um, like I don't think asking for two first round picks for Jeremy Grant is a crazy idea, right? The the Pacers asked for two first-round picks for Karis Levert. And like that sounds crazy to me because Karis is not Caris is like an offense-only guy who has not classically been able to shoot, right? And like that's kind of a problem. But the Cavs ended up giving up like a late first and a really early second. So it was like where you could talk yourself into like that being the equivalent of two first round picks and like the deal got done. Right. And so is if the Pistons couldn't find a trade partner that had, you know, the 28th and the 22nd pick or something like that. that um, is like that, 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 that team just wasn't out there and you can, you, you'll have to like find another, uh, some more like uh, young player capital or like something else basically but like I I can't say that like Troy Weaver improperly valued Jeremy Grant because like good players went for uh, a lot on the trade market this year like I if you couldn't get what you wanted like the there's no rush
1: the, you know the one that kind of got me excited that developed really late was the Brooklyn Nets like all <laughs> of a sudden the Nets made that trade they had two first round picks and it was like. They, they got Drummond in that deal. So it's like Nick Claxton maybe could be available. So it's like, all right, yes, Jeremy Grant for Nick's Cla- Nick Claxton and two picks. Like I'm in, you know, and even people were throwing out uh, Cam Thomas, the the rookie for them. And so that, that one was just very interesting. Like nobody talked about the Nets in this context of Jeremy Grant. And then with an hour to go in the trade deadline, right after Chance fell asleep, it's like the Pistons, the Pistons are in with the Nets, you know, like. Like I'm not gonna lie, like my heart was racing today. Like it's the NBA Tread deadline. I have like, but I was just like glued to Twitter. Um, I hope nobody that is my boss listens to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, but,
0: um, yeah I, I wondered about like a Claxton Bagley like fit, and so I was like, oh, like I, I don't really know about that, but it's like, and you've in like at that point they had already made the Bagley deal if I'm not mistaken, and so I was like, okay, this like okay, I don't know about all that, but yeah, no, I I also. My like Nick Claxton is also a guy I've been interested in. So like I was also kind of like feeling the heat with you on that one.
1: Yeah, I just it, it came up out of nowhere. And it was like, OK, now the Nets are in and we've heard about the Kings and the Blazers. And and then the Mavs somehow got thrown in there, which they had a really weird trade today, too. Like, I don't I don't know. I need to look more into that one. Um, But we brought up that Nets. Sixers trade I want to get your thoughts on that that was the big one and for all of our listeners we'll have James Edwards again he'll be on that we'll have dropping Sunday morning we're going to have Keith Smith on Tuesday night dropping Wednesday morning to really recap the NBA at large so we're not going to get into too much of that on this episode but I do want to touch on this one because it was the big one of the day I don't think I believed it was going to get done what were your thoughts Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks go to the Nets and return James Harden and Paul Millsap to the Sixers.
0: So anyone who has followed me for a while knows I'm not a huge fan of Ben Simmons' game. Um, but I, I do I do think that like this fit in Brooklyn is really great for him because uh, with Kevin Durant, He is not required to do any of the stuff that he very clearly doesn't want to do in the playoffs. It's like he he doesn't want the ball in the playoffs. Like that's fine. Give it to KD and KD will take us home, right? But like for the first forty minutes, just like play defense, run out in transition, like do your thing, get your rebounds, like dish to your corner shooters, and you're fine. I think the the sneaky part of this is like Seth Curry, yeah, pretty good addition for for Brooklyn. I know they already had Patty Mills, who kind of does a lot of that uh the, does a lot of similar things for them as like a movement shooter already, but having both of those guys like simultaneously that, that's that's kind of interesting,
1: yeah, I think Seth Curry like. I don't know if it's because of Steph and he gets overshadowed or like, he's a really, really good player. Like him being a part of that deal. And I know a lot of people thought that maybe the, the Nets should have asked for Maxi, who I, I assume probably was never going to be a part of it, but, or, or Thibel, but like Seth Curry is a very, very good player. What about the other side of it for the Sixers? Because obviously Harden's a very good player, But I've heard people brought up, and I do find this interesting. Harden is primarily a pick and roll player, a ball screen player. And Joel Embiid, that's not necessarily his game. He's like throw it to on the mid post or on the block, you know, kind of these isolations. Like, I'm kind of interested to see what that fit is. It's hard to blame them for making the move because at least now you get James Harden for the second half of the season when you probably, when you obviously weren't going to get. Ben Simmons, but what do you just think about that fit with Harden in Philly?
0: I like, my my thing was going to be the thing it was like you you had nothing and now you have something and the something is pretty good so like that's probably a win from from the Philadelphia perspective. I am not as worried about like the the fit between uh, Harden and Embiid. Like Harden's a pretty it's like I don't uh, like I'm not a big I'm not a Harden stand. But like he's been a pretty, he's adapted his play style to uh, what's been like required of him, um, and so like if there's more uh, like mid post isolation, like more short roll stuff, like I have no doubt that he can adapt to figure that out. Um, if uh, they need him to like fly off DHOs and stuff, I don't know about that, but uh, I I do think he like will he will find ways to like score and pressure a defense. Um, the trick now is like how do you like Embiid covers for him defensively but how do you create a lineup that uh you know covers for all the issues they're they're having defensively they're they're like really little now if it beat is on off the floor right it's it's harden and Maxi and thibault and uh and they they ha- and harris they have no backup center now because they traded drummond or maybe their backup center is like charles Bassey or or something um and uh and like Drummond it has actually been like kind of important for them as a backup center uh sneakily and so yeah i i think this like but at the same time like they weren't getting out of they weren't getting anything out of that simmons role and now they have something so i think i think it's a win for both sides but i think brooklyn despite giving up the better player i think brooklyn won a little bit more
1: yeah, no, you're right. Like Charles Bassey, you know, Paul Reed are the two next biggest players on the roster. You know, Niang, you know, is only six seven. Like obviously
0: and not a bunch of... very much like not a center.
1: Very much not a center. So like it just, you know, they, they are all of a sudden a little bit small. Like you said, it'll be interesting to see. I, I haven't read like the buyout market articles to see who those guys are. it be interesting to see if a bigger player, you know, is bought out and maybe they're able to be players in the buyout market. Um, Before we finish this off, let's go to Thursday night's game. A loss for the Pistons at the hand of the Grizzlies. It really wasn't close at all. Um, There was a third quarter run from Detroit. that I think they cut it within 10. I don't think they ever got it to single digits. Um, But no Cade Cunningham again on Thursday night. The hit pointer. I think you may have tweeted this out, possibly, Laz. But are we going to see Cade Cunningham before the All-Star break?
0: I I don't know. It looks dubious, right? I've I've seen uh, hit pointers take a month to recover from a couple people like tweeted some like WebMD stuff at me that like hit pointers take a while to recover from that. Like that makes sense. Sure. Not a I don't have a lot of experience with like how long it takes a, a, an NBA athlete to recover from a hit pointer. Um, I do know like when I talked to James for the Detroit bad boys podcast, this past uh this past sunday he seemed pretty confident that Cade would play against dallas and now it's been two games and uh it's past that dallas game and he hasn't played and so it makes it makes me think that like yeah we probably won't see Cade uh anytime soon um but I, I suspect that like troy weaver is like okay with that
1: yeah like and that's what i'm not overly worried about it because it, the, the only thing that makes me a little I unsure is like I feel like he was like questionable questionable and then today he was doubtful and I don't mean to read too much into that but we also got a video of him like doing like ninja karate whatever with Jeremy and like I don't think too much into that but it's like if it was anything too serious I don't think he would be like doing ninja kicks you know just randomly goofing around so I don't think we like so have he's anything. a mature
0: kid, but he is still 20, right Yes
1: <laughs> like the peanut butter and jelly that, that video is like one of my favorites. is <laughs> like you got peanut butter and jelly? Speak okay, so I have to ask you about this. I'm not a fashionable dude at all. I'm old, I'm bald, I don't like I, I just try to match my clothes, but I don't have drip as the kids say or, or a t- nice fit, whatever it is. but what did you think about the Grizzlies tonight? Because I thought that was awful
0: uh, the the uniforms? Yeah, with the, uh, like, yellow, gold, whatever, uh, leggings. I Yeah, I don't – I'm also not a super fashionable guy, but I didn't love it as well. I just don't think uh, – like, the yellow doesn't really work for them as, like, an accent color. They have some – they got some beautiful alternates, right? They have those – the uh, the MLK Day jerseys they bust out with, like, the gold and the black. Like, those are dope. Those are great. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't love the yellow.
1: Yeah, I, I, like I said I usually don't pay attention to that stuff, but like it just kept like drawing my eyes to it, and I was
0: like, I don't like this well, at like all. It, and like Zaire Williams has got like the knee-high yellow socks, <laughs> yes. right? And you're like, uh, yeah. I, I get you. Sure, I get you.
1: I'm pretty sure Stephen Adams was the only one that didn't have any of it. All. He's like, I'm not messing with this. I'm just here to go to work and and get, you know, and and do my thing. And and he did. Um, we did see some Garza minutes tonight. Uh, what would you think? I thought he brought some good energy. I know he kind of set Twitter on, on fire. We're not going to get into all that, but you know, here's my one thing. This is the reason I bring up like, he hasn't been the shooter. I thought he needs to be, you know, like that's been my thing with him is, and he did some energy plays, no doubt about it in the second quarter. But, um, I kind of wonder if the, if the shooting is going to be there because to me, that's the X factor in terms of, we know he's not going to be great defensively, but, it, the shooting really ha- that's to be the first thing that he hits and it, we just haven't seen it from him
0: yeah he 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 had his one three attempt tonight right and he had another um like he had another 20 footer when steven adams was in drop and steven adams is just like hanging out below the free throw line and so he just like pulls the 20 footer and misses it and like i'm am f- fine with those shots but i do think you're right in that um, as as if he's going to operate as like a, a mainly offense uh, big man in the NBA, like he needs to be a much better three point shooter than he's shown uh, at the NBA level. Yeah. So last thing,
1: and then I'll get you out of here, Kelly Olynyk, man. Like I was excited. Like I talked myself into being very excited, and I and I think that I the player I thought he was going to be would fit really well. But man, he's been struggling. Um, you know, not that he was great pre-injury, but since the injury, then he went on COVID. He had a huge game against the Kings in his first game back. And then he just really struggled. I don't even know if he's hit a three in I don't know how many games. Um, I just really feel like I don't know what my question is to you, Laz, but I just feel like if he would play better, that would be huge. Like I know we get so upset about how bad the Pistons look, but Cade Cunningham doesn't play. And Kelly O'Linick, who should be your third, fourth best player, is playing awful right now. Like I don't know. I just feel like they really need to get him playing better, and that would help out that second unit a lot.
0: Yeah, I I agree. It's been it's been really frustrating to watch. Like the it's been really frustrating to watch the offense like operate for a stretch. Like Kelly Olynyk is uh, the guy he was brought in to be, and then it not work because he doesn't look fully healthy. Uh, like Killian Hayes in particular looked really frustrated with him, uh, during that Dallas game. And you could tell there were times during, uh, like the Grizzlies game where he's just like, okay, uh, it's like, I'm not going to pass you the ball because you're not, it's like, because I don't trust you. Um, but I will say as the game went on, uh, Olenek looked like he was loosening up a little bit. Uh, I don't know if maybe like Sean uh, pointed this out on Twitter is like, uh, Olenek started like. Um, setting more off ball screens for guys like underneath the rim to like free up space for, uh, for teammates to finish is like, maybe, uh, like, maybe he just can't get out of the way because he's too slow. Now it's like, perhaps he's, uh, he's weaponizing slowness, which would be an interesting direction for, for Olenek. But yeah, the, his inability to be a, uh, well, teams still play him like he can shoot, which is like somewhat helpful but uh if if teams stop respecting the shot and he keeps shooting as poorly as he is that's gonna bode very poorly for the pistons and we like we talked to bring it back to bagley right like if he's not spacing the floor for bagley that cuts off some of those passing angles right that made the that makes those like short uh those short roll reads a little bit more tough and so uh yeah i i hope Kelly Olynyk is just like just getting his win back after COVID, and that uh, he figures things out because the Pistons could really use. Uh, the offensive skill set he provides.
1: And I guess that's why I think it's important. It's not necessarily about wins and losses, even though I do think this team needs to get a win. But it's like, I look at that second unit whenever the team is fully healthy and you, and you get your normal starting lineup. And I just get excited about the thought of watching a Killian Hayes, Frank Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, Marvin Bagley III, and Kelly Olynyk. Like, I don't know about other Pistons fans, but like, that is a lineup that I'm here for in the second unit, you know, like, I think that should be fun. I think there's a lot of good basketball IQ there. I think there's a lot of skill. I think we could see some really good offensive possessions when all five of those guys are like not playing at their highest level, but at least close to it. Like you have enough uh, shootings a little bit questionable, I guess. But I think you have enough – but again, like you have a short roll, uh, pick and roll guy, you have a pick and roll ball handler, you have a shooter in Frank, you have an athlete in Hami. Like I just like the idea of watching that second unit. And so it
0: excites me if they can all get back to playing well. No, absolutely, and that's that's a unit that should also be able to like get up and down the floor and run a little bit as well. Uh, like Olenek is good in transition when he gets the opportunity. Uh, Bagley is a opportunistic like transition guy in Sacramento. You'll you as you watch more Bagley film, you'll probably see a little bit more of that. Uh, you know, we know we know the the athlete that Hami is, and we know how often he likes to get out in transition. And obviously, like Killian Hayes is uh, is a really great distributor uh, when they're playing quicker. And so like, I, I think that that bench lineup definitely has a lot of potential. I would like to see it as well.
1: Absolutely. And so we'll see the Pistons back in action if you're listening to this Thursday night tomorrow or possibly tonight if you waited to listen till Friday morning. They play the very struggling Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets all of a sudden on Friday night. And then they're off over the weekend. Don't play again until Monday. Laz, thank you so much. I reached out kind of last minute. I'd been thinking about it as like it'd be a lot of fun to break this down with you. I'm glad you're able to do it, and um, just give everybody a chance to find out. I'm sure they all follow you and listen to DBB and everything. But let them know where you're putting out all your amazing content.
0: No, Bryce, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I don't mind the uh, like the five p.m. DM to like talk some basketball. That sounds fun. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. It's at L A Z C H A N C E. And, of course, if you're listening to the Motion Hoops podcast, the DBB podcast, the Detroit Bad Boys podcast is, like, in your podcast feed, just download that one, too, and you get to hear me.
1: Absolutely. Definitely check that out every Monday. Him and Ben do an amazing job to start you off your Pistons week. As always, I want to thank my guy, Wes Davenport the producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast who takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better for you and easier for me. I also want to thank all of you, the listeners, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much it means the amount of support we're getting right now. Motor City Hoops will be back on Sunday morning with more Pistons and NBA trade deadline recap with James Edwards III, Pistons beat writer for The Athletic. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons, and we'll talk to you soon. Three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Bones.